The following podcast includes explicit language, not restricted to words beginning with F, S, B, and Q. Hi, I'm Josh Levine, Slate's national editor, and I'm recording this at two minutes before midnight. Um, It's about to be Thursday, August the 27th. This is a special edition of Hang Up and Listen with me in D.C., Stefan Fatsis. Hey, Stefan. Hey, Josh. And from Palo Alto, Joel Anderson. Hey, Joel. Good evening. So we're doing this tonight, the special edition, because it feels like a night that we're going to be talking about for a very long time. And we wanted to very quickly kind of tell you guys what we're thinking and what we kind of feel is the, you know, important stuff that we wanted to memorialize about um, this night that's unprecedented um, in, in our lifetimes, I think, um, as, as far as, you know, a sports league potentially shutting down, multiple sports leagues potentially shutting down after the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, I think we understand that by the time uh, you guys listen to this, what we're describing as far as the facts on the ground might be out of date, but... Um, what um, we're looking at right now is that there was a players um, meeting in the NBA. There was no resolution, but um, there's discussion about ending the playoffs, ending the season. And it seems like it's possibly going to get resolved uh, on Thursday when there's going to be another meeting uh, for players and also a board of governors meeting for uh, the NBA owners. So Joel, why don't you start us off? Is there anything that I left out? Obviously there are the, you know, the WNBA called off games, baseball called off games. Um, This is happening throughout the entire uh, sports world, but just kind of, what are you thinking? What do you think is um, the place where we should be starting this conversation off? Well, there's just so many directions to take it. And I don't want to be one of those, I love this league guys, because I think it's really easy to oversell uh, the NBA's bona fides when it comes to social activism or whatever. But um, I do think it says something that uh, the WNBA and the NBA, which had the blackest labor forces and professional sports, have been so much further ahead um, on these issues than the rest of our country's institutions uh, in, on pretty much almost everything in, in 2020. Um, and that's from uh, its handling of the coronavirus, because I think we all remember another night when the, the world stopped, you know, March 11th, um, when the NBA suspended its play. And, and I think it signaled to the rest of the country that this is really serious. And so here we are, you know, several months later, and the NBA has said, you know, things can't go on the way that it is right now. And, and, and I should be more precise. It's not the NBA, it's the NBA players that have said things can't go on the way that they are. And so we want to draw attention to this. And I know that, you know, people probably are, are cynical, maybe skeptical that this might have any real effect on what's going on in our world. But um, I think that there is value in gestures and saying that, hey, this is really important to us and it's, it should be important to you. At a really basic level, you know, for myself, I'm really tickled that people who don't care at all about Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or Jacob Blake, or, or worse, people who derive some sort of sadistic pleasure from their plight, have had something taken from them. You know, even if it's just basketball, you know, for a few nights, um, that they have to think about it and don't get to enjoy a night of basketball. So that's kind of where I'm at with it tonight. You know, I don't know if that's like where you guys are with it this evening, but um, that's sort of what came to my mind. I think it's good that things stopped for a minute. 
I think it's good that things stop for a minute and that what the NBA went into this weird season, this resumption of play in the bubble in Florida, a lot of the conversation initially was how do we keep momentum going? How do we continue to draw attention to social justice issues. Um, Kyrie Irving, who was not playing in the bubble, actually suggested a, a, a boycott. That was the word that he used and the media used then. This is really a strike or a walkout, what happened on Wednesday. This started in the bubble with the desire to draw attention after the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and this sort of continued focus on social justice. And this obviously isn't what anyone wanted, another black man shot by police. Um, and yet this is what is propelling the NBA players forward and the WNBA players and players in other sports. And I think the really, Josh, like the significance here from a sports perspective is this sort of this unity, this this snowballing effect where what these basketball players are doing is affecting other players too and other athletes. It, and you mentioned the WNBA and baseball, which called off some games. Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, said she would not play on Thursday, and that's turning into a full day off, it seems like, from uh, the tennis event that's taking place in New York right now. There were Major League Soccer games also canceled. Um, this is demonstrating the power of athletes to draw attention to uh, an issue that's larger than all of them. And so what's happening now among the NBA players in the bubble is, I think, a search for unanimity. There is a form of unanimity happening in sports right now where um, the boycott is spreading, this, the postponements are, are spreading. But in this, this meeting, based on the reporting we're seeing, there's you know healthy, it seems like, differences of opinion around should the Milwaukee Bucks, who... Um, didn't come out on the court for their playoff game against the Orlando Magic on Wednesday. That's how this all started. Should they have clued in um, the other teams? Um, the Magic were out there warming up. There, there was clearly no um, advance warning given to them. Um, there's reporting that Jalen Brown of the Celtics said, no, the Bucks didn't owe us any, anything, didn't owe us any kind of explanation. Other people, I think, had a different opinion there. Um, there's reporting on the Lakers and the Clippers um, apparently being the teams that um, voiced um, the most interest in just canceling outright and leaving the bubble and not finishing out the season. There's some question about whether that was a definitive vote or more of a poll. I think we'll find out more about that on Thursday. But Joel, it seems like they're kind of going to be circling back on Thursday to come out with a single voice and a single message. And it seems like a lot of that will be calling on the owners of these, these NBA teams and, and calling on the league to do more than what the league has been doing so far. Yeah. Um, and I mean, who knows what that will look like, right? Um, because yeah, what, oh, what, what, what might that look like? Yeah. That's a, a fantastic question. And I want, I'm sure they've come up with ideas for, you know, um, all these own, I mean, the DeVos family, they own the magic, right? Um, Betsy DeVos, uh, is our secretary, our edu education secretary. There's an assumption that probably these owners have connections, political connections that even these players don't have, and that maybe they can press them for some sort of action. And that's actually what's sort of really fascinating about this, because I think a lot of people think that 
you know, BLM, they think of it as, as one movement. Um, but it's sort of an umbrella organization and it enc- encompasses a lot of different people with a lot of different aspirations and goals for what the movement should look like. And so you see, you know, some people that think that, uh, just using your platform, so to speak, just playing and being there and seeing Black Lives Matter on the floor is sufficient. And there are other people that think direct action things like participating in protests and funding voter registration efforts like LeBron has been doing or going on strike are, are, are appropriate ways um, to express your activism, right? So um, it could obviously go a lot of different ways. And I think that's sort of the fascinating thing because we're seeing it evolve in real time. Um, and also, I mean, tomorrow, they're also going to hit up against the realization that if they go through with this, like, let's say that they decide not to play, it is going to have significant financial implications for them. This is not just, you know, quote, virtue, virtue signaling or whatever the parlance of the Internet would be like this. This could have significant financial um, stakes for everybody involved. So I think that's a really important message that there is this isn't just some token protest that there's you know the the things that we criticize athletes for oh they make too much money oh they're coddled oh they get everything they're actually risking something here um and you can put that down and say they're already millionaires but that's not fair this is tangible and in terms of what they want or might do well look the Milwaukee Bucks got on a conference call today with the attorney general of Wisconsin and the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin, according to reporting by ESPN. That is a a flexing of power. That's actually making a direct connection with people who make decisions about, um, about police security, about the way you say things publicly, about how you message to the public, right? I mean, those are actual things. So this isn't just standing in front of a microphone and saying Black Lives Matter. The players clearly have something bigger on their minds. Yeah, and I think another thing to call out here is that even more so than the NFL um, players and the and the league kind of became a target um, when when Colin Kaepernick kneeled, um, the NBA players are making a conscious decision to make themselves kind of the locus of energy and attention, both positive and negative, mm-hmm. because there are a lot of conversations going on about this tonight that don't sound like the conversation that we're having. And I think the NBA players, um, you know, I'm sure they'd be happier if everyone in America supported what they're doing and what they're saying, but they ultimately have decided that they don't care. Um, And that, you know, this is what it looks like. And Joel, you mentioned the demographics of the league. Like, this is what happens when you have a lot of incredibly, you know, powerful, but also angry Black men who um, are kind of setting the agenda and deciding um, what message they they want to deliver, and a lot of you know America, white America, doesn't like what that looks like and sounds like, and so it's brave for um, the players to do that. But they're you know obviously going to be repercussions for it. Don't you all wonder too, like what this might mean for the NFL? 
Um, because, I mean, just earlier this week, we had, you know, Jerry Jones saying that he didn't want players, you know, kneeling during the national anthem, that maybe they were going to, there was going to be a compromise. And, you know, one of the players on the team, a defensive tackle, um, Dontari Poe, um, you know, said that what he planned to protest. And so they're at a loggerheads there. So, I mean, it, it, it's got me wondering, you know, all of these guys are having back channel discussions tonight. You know it, right? Like mm-hmm. the, 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 these text groups and Zoom calls are just all over the place, man. And you know the NFL is involved in this. And like, what do you all think it would mean if the NFL said, you know what, if, an, if, a, if a significant number of NFL players said, I don't think we want to do this anymore. We've been I, having this conversation for six months. It's like the NFL has been like in this cryogenic <laughs> chamber. Like it's been in suspended animation where like, we're like, man, I wonder what would happen if the NFL was in season. And it's like, I, I guess the NFL is about to start and we'll, we'll finally have answers to all these questions. I mean, NFL players were tweeting today in support of what the NBA players are doing. One interesting to me point from today that also will spill into the NFL is that, look, what the NBA players did today was in violation of their collective bargaining agreement. They don't have the right to do this. They don't have the right to strike. They have put pressure on their owners to not oppose what they're doing. They know that ownership can't come out and penalize them, you know, call off the season and you know tear up the collective bargaining agreement. They've got the owners over a barrel here, and it's not like it's a labor fight here, but it is an awkward position for ownership to be in where they they are they've been neutered in a way. And I bet what's going to happen is that the and is that the owners are going to say all the right things mm-hmm. this week and next week, and no matter what the players do, they're going to support them. And then three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. More quiet. I mean, it, it, I don't know if how you can keep it quiet, but more quietly, and in a moment when it would be, um, you know, a little bit easier to say it, they're going to try to get their vengeance and like get claw everything back and say everything that they would want to say. Now, I don't know, but man. They can't I, say. I, I I don't know. What do you think, Joe? I I don't see that happening. I think that this is. A that you they're just going to let the players kind of cost the league a billion dollars. I, yeah, by I think the I think they're going to they, and the, they'll have a legitimate reason to cry poor. Um, you know, a guy like Tillman Fertitta, who you know probably is the only you know NBA owner that can qualify for a subprime mortgage, right? So, um, <laughs> after yeah, all I'm, we did to get this bubble ready for you guys, this is how you repay <laughs> us, right? Yeah, I mean they, they're going to. Ha- I mean that's they, they are going to suffer some you know severe financial consequences. They already if this are, goes away. right? And so and so you could easily see them not necessarily. Um, saying we're mad at you for costing us money for activism, but saying, well, hey, man, you guys knew what was at stake when this happened, and now we're all going to have to pay the price and 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 drive a hard deal for those guys. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely think that will happen. Like it, that is probably if they go through with this, that is probably the thing I'm most. Oh, certain if they of. go through with canceling the rest of the season, yeah, yes, yeah, okay, absolutely, yeah. But, okay, so so we're all living in this moment right now when we don't know what's gonna happen and i guess that's my question what's going to happen are they going to play man it i can't imagine them not does that make sense yes cuz even though they say that the lakers and the clippers don't want to i also i mean who just knows what sort of like back backroom discussions are going on but there's no 
There's already a sort of perception out here that LeBron was the person that forced everybody down to Orlando in the first place, so he cannot be the guy. That's what makes this so fascinating, though, because yeah. you know the, some of the tweets coming out of the meeting were, Lakers, Clippers vote, they don't want to play, and LeBron like exits the meeting. Um, and knowing what we know about why they're in the bubble in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick Beverly said it months ago. If LeBron didn't want there to be a bubble, there wouldn't be a bubble. Right. I mean, right. LeBron tweeted, fuck this man. We demand change. Sick of it. You know, I, you could read that two ways. I mean, yeah, demand change, sick of what's happening in society, but fuck this being here and playing basketball while all this is going on, too. Um, but I find it hard to believe that LeBron would sabotage it um, for the rest of the season. I could see them sort of negotiating a pause in the playoffs. On the other Mm -hmm. hand, how much longer do these guys want to be trapped in the bubble? Was it George Hill that said that, you know, we shouldn't have come here in the first place? Well, Paul George is talking about suffering from depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what we saw here was players were kind of already on a knife's edge at their breaking point, being away from their families, being in in this weird and inhospitable environment for two months and then the shooting happens and it's just kind of collectively what the fuck are we doing here like why are we doing this and that's the kind of instant gut response and the the boycott it wasn't like you know you get the sense that the bucks were talking to each other and it was a conversation it wasn't like a spur of the moment decision so they it it was contemplated and was thought about, but they're going to keep thinking about it. And um, it seemed like in this in this meeting, the, the one decision that was made was like we need to keep thinking about about this and how we're going to approach it and what the what makes the most sense. Just to be a cynic here for a second, or to you know maybe be the pessimist. Maybe that's the better thing. The thing is, is that the NBA can call off its games tomorrow. You know they can shut down the league. And unfortunately, there's nothing that they can do to prevent another Jacob Blake from happening. And so that's something that they're going to have to reconcile um, within themselves about how they want to approach their life and their career for the, you know, um, going forward. Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of people that like the criminal justice system the way that it is. And they're fighting really hard to keep it the way that it is. And as long as you have law enforcement agencies and as long as they're empowered to do what they want to do, these sorts of things are going to happen. So what you're talking about, like the sort of change that they're talking about is prosecution or maybe, you know, reform, working with, you know, police departments, sheriffs, sheriff's departments, whatever. But ultimately... The dynamics at play, largely white law enforcement agents policing black people and black communities, that is here. That is what is, that is, you know, a foundational part of our country. That's not going to change. And um, I, I admire them for standing up and making this stand and wanting to risk their careers and risk risk their public standing and everything else. But um Unfortunately, we're going to have another one of these and we're going to have many of these before the year is over. And so I guess, you know, I, I, what I would like to, if I were in the room with them, I was like, well, what, 
can you live with yourself if you if can you live with yourself under these circumstances? What do you like? What are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to give up? And what do you think the end game is going to be? Which is not at all like trying to you know diminish the stand that they've made here, but um, you know just being a realist in this country, like there's nothing that they do in Orlando that is going to affect what happens in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Going, you know, like like three months from now, something else is going to happen. Police police officers have had this sort of discretion and prosecutors have given them this sort of leeway to do this and it's just not going to change. So um, I don't know why I said it like that, but it's just something that has occurred to me um, as I've like looked at the news reports all day long. It's just been, it, it's... Um, you know, you looked at all these these grown men, and I saw Doc Rivers. You know, almost breaking down last night. And I was just like, man, you know, you know, I feel, you know, I feel the same way. I feel the same sort of helplessness. I'm like, man, this is really painful, um, and it's just something that I know that I'm going to have to live with, and that my family is going to have to live with for the rest of my life. And um, you know, you just kind of have to figure out how you're going to navigate your life around that, um, and just do the best that you can. But I'm really proud of those guys, man. I never thought that I would ever see anything like this um, in the course of my life. And, you know, NBA athletes, WNBA athletes, Naomi Osaka in tennis. Like, I mean, to imagine what the, what the Williams sisters went through in their life and for a, a, a player of her stature to say, I don't want to do this, knowing the sort of abuse she might face going forward, it's just incredible to me. And, and I think it's important too, Joel, to put this into some historical context and if players feel helpless, they also are going to understand that they're exercising power here. They're exercising mm-hmm. a bigger power than they have to this date. You know, four years ago to the day on Wednesday was the first time Colin Kaepernick sat during the national anthem during a preseason game. And it has taken those four years to go from there to WNBA players wearing I can't breathe t-shirts, to LeBron in the Miami Heat wearing hoodies. Um, Howard Bryan on Twitter pointed out that after Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, the police union in St. Louis called for the NFL to suspend St. Louis Rams players for making some sort of protest gesture when they coming onto the field. Stefan, four, year, four years four years later, Roger Goodell admits I should have listened. Right. And now and now you've got an entire group of, 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 of teams, all the teams still playing in the NBA during the playoffs, when the most people care about this sport, saying we're not going to play. And the league being powerless to stop it. And the world paying attention to it. Um, that's some genuine power. And even if it if it cannot stop what goes on in society, and it obviously can't, as you so eloquently put it, Joel, it is a reflection of what athletes can do. And it's going to be a message to athletes in other sports, including the NFL, which has been the most controlled sport of the professional leagues to college players who have been trying to assess what sort of power they have in COVID and in in their amateurism status, Um, Olympians who've been fighting for the right to protest during the games, athletes as of Wednesday, August 26, 2020, have more power than they ever did. 
you know the the cliche about you know god family and football or whatever insert whatever sport you want to insert i i think we just can't overstate the importance of the bubble here and how that's affected players thinking and you have to give up your family for this sport and it's a you know basketball if we want to take that example it's a game yeah but for um these players it's their life it's what they've um it's what they love to do it's what they've trained to do their whole lives it's also entertainment for people that like and respect them and people that don't like and respect them um and so it's not like you're just going into the bubble just to to entertain you're also you know doing it because it's what you like to do and it's because because it is what you do but it's just so must be so emotionally complex mm-hmm. to think about why am i here and there's no like one good answer to that question like it makes some amount of sense that they're there admit in some ways it makes no sense that they're there but what they had to give up not being with their children and their parents and their spouses not being in their communities um not being able to go to kenosha or go to um you know atlanta or go to minneapolis um and so this decision to not play either temporarily or to cut off the whole season. It's just all kind of converging um, right now. And it's like, on the one hand, Joel, and like, I hope that I say this in a way that, that comes out correctly because it's, it's a complicated thing to say. It's like, obviously you could not have expected there not to be another shooting of a of a black man like it's just mm-hmm. going to happen this is america and so on, for the for players to be like you know how could this ha- how could this happen again we can't play now like on the one hand it's it sounds kind of naive on the other hand you're like okay i totally understand where you're coming from because this is happening while you're in this bubble when you've given up everything and then this happens and why am I, why am I here? And, and what can we do? Well, just think about it. I mean, last night, Doc Rivers, well, I'm actually, there was a whole arc last night where Paul George has this sort of redemptive game. uh, And then admits that he was struggling, you know, mentally struggling. And then he had to speak with a therapist, which made, just made me feel so small. It made, and I think it should make a lot of other people feel so small because a lot of times we're critical of athletes. And I mean, it's it's fair to critique an athlete's performance, but a lot of times we don't think of them as humans. And, and, and the criticism of Paul George gets exactly at that, that it never probably occurred to anybody else that Paul George may have been struggling with something that didn't have to do with Mm -hmm. basketball, right? And he admitted that. And maybe, you know, there are probably a lot of people that say, oh, that's an excuse or whatever. But it's it made me feel small in the moment because even I had made jokes about playoff P. Um, But anyway, so then you had that, you had Doc Rivers give that emotional press conference speech to 
media last night where he talks about being scared and being scared for his family members. And within that hour, you had that shooting in Kenosha um, by Kyle Rittenhouse, the, the 17-year-old kid that killed a couple of protesters in Kenosha that night. And I could just imagine waking up the next day and it feeling feeling different because not you've seen the shooting of Jacob Blake, but then you come up to that, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Where in the hell are we headed?" Because I like today, like from even for myself, I was like, "Man, where are we going?" And I could understand them wanting to take a step back and reassessing whether this is all worth it, and whether being away from their family is worth it, and whether if playing basketball. Um, is enough of a platform if that's if that is re- if that is really meaningful in any sort of way and if there needed to be something else to um, exacerbate you know to to exacerbate you know the, the issues that they're talking about um, so yeah man I don't know Stefan I uh, you know I love basketball like we talked about it on Monday I was like I'm so glad that we had basketball back but I'm like right now I've gone from that to like I'm glad we don't have basketball yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, and the thought that I had on Wednesday afternoon was, as this was sort of building through the course of the the late afternoon and evening, was that these guys just must be pissed. They're tired. They're isolated. They feel helpless. They probably don't feel as if the everything they talked about going into the bubble was coming true. And there were more stories about fishing in a in the pond at Disney World than about social justice. And I think a lot of them probably just feel like we can't perform and we shouldn't perform. And and I think you're right, Joel. We need to accept that. And I think that's as important a message as almost anything, that these are human beings. They're not just entertainers. Um, and they're frustrated. That's a really good distinction to make, and this will be my. Uh, I'll I'll end with with these thoughts, and then go around to you guys to get your your last words. But that the thing you just articulated there is something I hadn't thought about, which is from a purely tactical standpoint. If the goal is to get the message out to as many people as possible, I think what they should do, and they should not listen to me. Far be it for me to tell anybody what to do, but I would say. Don't play for a while and then play again. And then you'll have everybody's attention and you'll have more people's attention than if you just stopped playing at all. People will move, you know, it'll, it would be maybe the biggest or one of the biggest sports stories in my lifetime. But you know what? People move on. Other horrible, crazy shit's going to happen because it's America 2020. But what you just said about not being able to perform and linking that up to what Joel was saying about Paul George, maybe it's not just about how do we get the most people to hear this message right now. I think it's partly that, but it's also partly like we can't do this right now. Yeah. Like we just physically mm-hmm. and mentally and emotionally can't do this. And why are we doing this? And it's it's I also just to expand, it's not it's not like what are we doing in this bubble? It's like what are we doing on earth right now? It's just like <laughs> yeah. it feels like too much to do this high pressure. Um, it sometimes feels frivolous, sometimes feels like the most important thing in the world, this job. And so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, just being caught between amplify the message and how can we do this right now? Just 
as people. And I think that that what you suggest, Josh, makes a lot of sense because it it de- it it um, neutralizes the criticism that they're they think they're something more than just athletes. Um, if they walk away entirely, yeah, it sends a powerful message. And like you said, it's one of the biggest sports stories of our lifetimes. But it also delegitimizes their platform in some ways. They are basketball players. And, you know, Joel, we had a great time talking about what they do on Monday um, because it does make us all feel good and it makes them feel good. We talked about how it looked like they were having fun playing pickup basketball in Orlando. Um, So the strongest message might be, we're going to take a break. We are going to put some pressure on our owners. Maybe they break the bubble and come back in two weeks, you know, and re-quarantine. I don't know. But maybe it really does make sense to take a pause, figure out what you want to say, figure out what you want ownership and management to do, and then say, we're ready to come back and do what we are great at. Yeah. And I also want to say that it's we should not overlook the fact that how remarkable it is how this spread so quickly to other sports. I mean, baseball, we had a conversation a few weeks ago mm. about a black baseball player effectively being ostracized because he chose to kneel when no one else in the sport would support him. Mm. And now black players on the Seattle Mariners on Wednesday evening were the ones that led um, a decision for that team, not the Brewers, which, you know, Milwaukee, there's a reason for them to stand to, to take action, but to, to walk out and not play tennis. I mean, unified action about, you know, about racism and from tennis players, that's kind of remarkable too. So this is a huge, powerful moment. I do want to just make sure that we acknowledge the sacrifices that the WNBA players made as well um, because they've been out front on this for a very long time. And the NBA is actually catching up. But the NBA, you know, for all sorts of reasons that we already know, has the larger platform, right? But the WNBA has been right there. But I I think, you know, to kind of put a pin in it, um, we all started out talking about over the last few months whether or not we should even be having sports right now. You know, and that was because our country is a failure. You know, it was, our, our country is, a, is, 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 is an absolute failure and it's in collapse right now because of a pandemic. But there are, also, there are other reasons why our country is a failure too. Um, and the last week has really highlighted that, you know, in, what, in what's happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And so um, I think that the NBA players are right to think about, do we even deserve this? Does the country deserve entertainment does it deserve frivolity right now what have we done and um i think that's something that we should all sit with and i know that the nba players are going to be um but if we get basketball back just remember we're lucky you know we don't really deserve it as a country right now and um if we get it back it's a gift but i hope it doesn't take our eyes off the reason why we didn't have it for a little while in the first place Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Stefan. Um, thanks, everybody out there for listening to us. And um, thank you to our producer, Melissa Kaplan. To listen to past shows and subscribe, or um, if you want to reach out, tell us what you think. 
Go to slate.com slash hangup. Email us at hangup at slate.com. For Joel and Stefan, I'm Josh Levine. Remember Zalmo Beatty, and thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.